This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call. Thank you and welcome to another episode. We're glad to have you here tonight. Tonight, I'm excited here in a moment. I'm going to bring on Dr. Michael Lake from Kingdom Intelligence Briefing. Uh, you've heard him before on this program. You've probably heard him on other shows, but we are excited to have him here. And listen, folks, we have been talking a lot lately, uh, and of course, for years now, but it seems like the intensity level is getting greater and greater every week. Um, we are understanding now, and, and as a business owner myself, I am seeing the absolute pressures that are coming because I'm not vaccinated. The threats of uh, not being able to fly. I have meetings I have to attend um, as a part of my work. And now coming up, I may not be able to fly with some of the new mandates coming down. Um, customers or uh, businesses. Uh, I saw Washington State, uh, the governor is wanting to mandate it for all businesses. Folks, we are living in some very dangerous times and they are, you're going you're gonna to come to a crossroads in your walk with Jesus. You're going to come to a crossroads in your walk with the Lord that you're going to have to make a decision. Who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow the Lord or are you going to follow the government? You see, I've already had customers come to me and say, hey, I had one customer ask me, you mean you don't have all of your, your employees vaccinated? I said, no. I'm not forcing them. Now it's a free country. If an employee wants to do that, that's their choice. But I will not force someone to do something that I'm not going to do myself, let alone go against the freedoms that I, as a U.S. Marine, fought to protect in this country. Folks, we have got to make that decision now and put it in our hearts and in our mind. What we are going to do, settle it ahead of time, because when the moment comes, you need to already be settled where you stand. You're, it, we're going to face that moment. We're going to face that time. Each one of us are going to face this in our lives, and we need to be prepared. And I want to mention tonight as we're getting started, I have a good customer of mine just called his son. I can't, I, I don't know his son's name because I was just able to talk to him briefly. Just is in a traumatic accident. Um, and if you, he's in a, uh, intensive care, terrible accident in Texas. If you could keep him in prayer, would greatly appreciate that. He is in definite need of prayer. And uh, folks, thank you for praying for Mary and uh, for, uh, of course, my little nephew, Luke. You're not going to believe this. We are so excited. Just a quick announcement on that. Luke, my premature nephew is now perfectly healthy against all odds. He looks totally normal. And this weekend, we got family coming in for a bunch of stuff. And we're getting ready to dedicate little Luke to the Lord. I've got the pleasure of being able to dedicate him. And I'm very excited. We're just going to hand him over. We're not sprinkling that kind of stuff I'm talking about. We're just going to, we're going to commit this little guy to Jesus and believe that the Lord's going to take care of him. And so I'm really excited. Prayer works. It works miracles. And thank you all so much for that. Well, with no longer ado, I am going to bring on our guest tonight, Dr. Michael Lake. You probably know him. He is the king from the Kingdom Intelligence Briefing Ministry, the Biblical Life Assembly. You can check out his website at kingdomintelligencebriefing.com. Listen, Dr. Lake has a whole lot of accolades. You've heard it on here before, but I want to stress something about it. Besides his best-selling books, The Shinar Directive. You probably, if you've been around for a while, you've probably heard of that book for sure. He's got some other stuff, and we'll let him talk about that. But his teachings, that is what he's really known for. If you don't follow his podcast, you need to follow it. He's got videos. He's got weekly teachings, and I'm going to let him talk about that tonight. He's also got a wonderful wife, and she supports him there in the ministry, and we are glad to have him on here with us tonight. Dr. Lake, are you there? I'm here. It's great to be with you tonight. Well, I appreciate it. I am so glad to have you back on the show. Um, I just, I, I appreciate the depth of love for the Lord that you have. And Dr. Lake, I'm going to ask if you could open up with a word of prayer as we get started. Absolutely. Father, these are uh, interesting times or trying times. But Father, they did not take you by surprise. 
And the same hand that protected us yesterday can protect us today if we would learn to be obedient to the voice of your spirit and simply trust in your kingdom, trust in your throne. And Father, we just ask tonight that you would open our ears that we could hear truth. And Father, not to uh, just chalk it up, okay, I know this, I know that, but Father, let it be actionable intelligence that we can put to use in our lives to close the door to the enemy and open the door to heaven. And Father, uh, move us to action because Hebraically, you don't actually know something unless you can do it. Mm. And Father, we just we ask that you would give us that grace tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Dr. Lake, thank you for coming on um, tonight. And I, I want you to, if you could take a moment here at the beginning, I want you to let people know how they can follow what goes on. I know you have a teaching that comes out, what, weekly, I believe? No, it's, it's, twice, it's twice a month, right? Twice now. a month. Okay. Talk, if you could share that with everybody on how they can follow what's going on with your ministry. Yeah, kingdomintelligencebriefing.com is our major hub. Uh, we do a podcast once a week. We do teachings every other week. Uh, any new book announcements or anything else that we have, we're, we're posting it there. You can go to the website, and on the top far right corner, uh, all you have to do is to type in your email address and hit subscribe. And anytime we post anything at all to the site, you'll be getting an email just within a couple of minutes. It's probably one of the best ways of keeping track of all that's going on. Amen. Well, thank you for that. Uh, so folks, please check him out there and what's going on. Um, Dr. Lake's one of the few people I know that I, they're just genuine all the way around. So thank you for that. Uh, one of the things that you and I, I had mentioned to you earlier, we're in that season of Halloween. Uh, we're in that season of the, I would say, Satan's high holy days. And uh, we're, we're, what what are we, a day? Well, today's the 28th. So we're just a few days away from it. Uh, a time when it was recognized uh, back in the day that there, that there was a special door that was opened up, uh, or the belief was, to the, to the spirit realm, a, a very dark door that was opened. And Dr. Lake, there is a lot of, I think, believers out there who think, well, I, I don't celebrate Halloween. I'm not involved in the occult. But Dr. Lake, is that true? Is simply, I mean, is it is it bigger than just I don't celebrate Halloween? There seems to be an issue that the occult seems to be truly penetrating the life of the believer. And I wanted you to talk a little bit because I know this is something you've shared on recently on your own uh, teaching and podcast. Yeah, in fact, the origin of Halloween or what we know as Halloween, in fact, it's one of to access uh, high holy days in Satanism. Uh, one is Samhain, which is uh, December or October 31st. And the other is Beltane, which is the uh, uh, 1st of May. And in fact, what's interesting is the world is celebrating Halloween in this hemisphere. In the Southern hemisphere, they'll be celebrating uh, Beltane on the exact same day. And it's a day that requires human sacrifice for those in the occult. And so, you know, if the believer was going to be doing anything uh, that day, we should be believing that God would deliver and save uh, the children that they're going to be sacrificing. Uh, it, it was drawn from the Druids, uh, which actually, when you do a little research, I've got several books in my library that detail after David drove the Nephilim uh, out of Israel that they migrated and sailed in what became Great Britain. And so the progenitors of Druidism were Nephilim. So it's, it's a direct tie uh, to the heinous religious belief systems of the Nephilim. Uh, trick or treat was, the, was one of the most dreaded things you would ever want to hear if you lived in the area. The Druids would come up to your house, and if you did not give them someone in your household to sacrifice that night, uh, they would actually draw a hexagram with a circle around it, which opened up a demonic portal to your property. Uh, if you did give them the uh, the treat that they were wanting, they would uh, take a pumpkin, a jack-o'-lantern that had been uh, carved out, and the candle on the inside of it was made of human fat that they would light. And then they would take them and give them a choice of either being burned alive in a wicker man or bobbing for apples in this boiling kind of cider type of thing 
that uh, if you did, very, very few ever survived it because it would, you know, can you imagine trying to bob an uh, apple out of, uh, let's say, even apple cider that had been boiling for hours? It, it would literally melt your face off and uh, scar and, and close your esophagus. And these are some of the most heinous things that today that we practice and we, we think nothing about it. They just, the occult have learned to just wrap this stuff into a warm fuzzy and then they make it acceptable uh, to, uh, to the masses. And you can call it whatever you want. One of the things I'm, I'm really big on, Frank, is go back and study the origin of anything because that's where the spiritual power of it lies. And you can rename it anything you want. You can call it a hallelujah party or whatever, but it's, you're still activating the same demonic spirits because you're celebrating it on their night. So a harvest party would be the same thing, correct? Oh, yeah. A harvest party, uh, you know, dressing up or whatever. Uh, it, it's all the exact same thing. We're, 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 and the word of God said, never, ever learn their ways and do it to me. And so in a night that we should be having prayer, because maybe in your area, a child's gone missing and is going to be sacrificed that night. Instead of doing that, we're, we're worried about giving out candy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I know that people say, you know, well, what you and Mary went through are, are uh, you know, you, you look at things differently. Kind of, almost kind of like the military coming back from Afghanistan. Uh, what everybody gets so excited about here is nothing to us. You know, it's like, wait, wait till somebody has a gun in your face and then you'll, then you'll know what to do. You know, then there's something to, you know, get upset about. Yeah. But it's like, we're, we're get upset about all the wrong things. We're participating in all the wrong things. The early church would have never done things like this. Uh, in fact, the early church uh, never celebrated Christmas or Easter. Those are uh, constructs coming out of the Catholic church where they adopted pagan things and uh, simply adopted it for Christianity. Uh, in fact, there was a time that most Protestants would not celebrate them because they knew it had its origin of popery. Absolutely. And folks, I know this hurts some people's feelings. I, I will, you know, it's what it's, I love that saying, uh, well, it's, it's how I, I perceive it or how I take it. Folks, the fact is, is that Christmas was about Tammuz originally back in the day. Okay, you can look back in, G- in back in Jeremiah and all those things. You can find the origins, and you can find God's command actually not to keep it about cutting down the trees. And I think it's Jeremiah chapter ten, Doctor Lake. If I remember right, I'm sure you can. You probably remember, but God says, "Don't do it." And and folks, what the Lord's all He's trying to do is keep us out of these things that Satan's decided for fifty. For what I understand. For the first 50 years in the United States, it was outlawed uh, to keep Christmas. It was yeah, not it was, allowed. It was the Baptist that did it too. Hmm. Yeah, and so so there's a there's a film. I, I I don't know if anybody can find it. It's the best film. It's tasteful. The quality is not the best right now, but if you can find it on YouTube, it's called Unwrapping Christmas by Jeremiah Films. I think it was or something like that, or Jeremiah Productions, something. Folks, it's the best film you can ever share with somebody about it. It's not mean. It's not angry. It just simply presents facts in a loving way, but it is convicting. And I'll tell you, it's a great film to watch. You know, a couple of years ago, I found one. It was actually a secular one that just, from a a secular point of view, you know, detailed the whole history of of how it uh, originated with Saturnalia in Rome. But uh, some of the interesting things, they, they actually documented here in America where the evangelicals and the Protestants refused to do Christmas uh, for many years because it was, it was a, uh, a Catholic institution. Uh, but uh, it seemed like there began to be more of a consciousness of it in America, and they were afraid that all their parishioners were going to become Catholic because they started going to Catholic Mass on Christmas and so they had to counter with Christmas services because of fear. Mm. And uh, there was also a time in uh, Great Britain that the Puritans, not the Puritans, was it, yeah, I guess it was the Puritans, had overturned the British monarchy. Mm. And uh, Cromwell was the, was the leader that had done that because uh, the corruption had gotten so bad. And they outlawed Christmas and, and so forth. And the uh, people in Great Britain, after a number of years, so wanted Christmas that they overthrew the Puritans 
and established an evil monarchy just to be able to get Christmas back. Mm. I, I understand. And, and listen, folks, I, I stopped celebrating Christmas 20 to 1999. It was, for lack of a better words, it was hell in my family initially. Because everybody thought, because I stopped Dr. Lake celebrating Christmas, I was immediately condemning them all to hell. I, I never once did that. I never believed they were all going to hell. I just for myself had made a decision. It was terrible. And it got so bad, my wife and I just decided, you know what, we're going to, you do your thing and I'll do my thing. And finally, Dr. Lake, after trying to convince my wife for an extent, you know, uh, basically trying to beat the Bible over her head, right? I finally gave up and quit and realized I couldn't do it. Well, when I finally gave up and quit and let the Lord take over, he ends up bringing her right in perfect harmony. Yeah. Her and I together. We start seeing things eye to eye. And I finally, it took me a while, but I finally realized that the Lord is a way better convictor than I am. And so I learned with my wife to stop and let God take over. And you know what? He can get us both into harmony, into the right spot. And so folks, I know sometimes there's a fear of not celebrating Christmas, but trust me, God is able to overcome. Yes, you will at times have people think that you're just against them, but that doesn't mean that you're against them. There is a lot of things. We started celebrating Hanukkah and we can get into, that's a whole nother thing, but oh, it's so much more fun. You know how easy it was, Dr. Lake, to get, how easy it is to get kids onto Hanukkah? Like, dad, oh, dad, what's Hanukkah? Well, um, eight days of gifts. Oh, we're there. You know, I mean, you know, not quite. You know, <laughs> Well, it's the same thing with Purim, you know. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, folks, that's oversimplified. But what I'm trying to say is that there's a freedom of breaking free from occultism. And then the truth is, you know, you take away all of the, the trappings and it's just family getting together, enjoying family. And you have 364 other days a year that you can do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and listen, that, that's the big thing. The one actually even gets me more is, is the whole Easter or Ishtar, you know, or Esther, whatever, you know, celebration. That's the one that bothers me because it takes away from the majesty of the Passover lamb. It takes away from the glory of the one that was crucified because folks, I've got news for you. Jesus never turned into an egg laying rabbit. Okay. That comes from ancient fertility practices, and it's so much ref more refreshing. And you don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to be, you can, you can say things in pleasant ways, but standing for what's right is so liberating. And, and that's, that's the thing. And so, Dr. Lake, um, we, were, we were talking a little bit earlier, and I had mentioned how uh, this is not just a problem only with holidays, but in a lot of practices and, and so many things we're doing in the church back to when, when the Lord separated the Southern and the Northern kingdom from Rehoboam uh, in the South to Jeroboam in the North and Jeroboam had got nervous that God's people were going to go back to celebrate the Holy days to Jerusalem. And so he even tried to change God's Holy days by, I believe it was about a month and created golden calf worship which was not the first time, obviously, that happened in Israel's history. And they were not calling this worship of the devil. They were actually calling this worship of Yahweh, of God. It goes which, back which, which mm -hmm. that, that divide, you know, when Moses warned them, don't ever adopt uh, pagan things. I mean, you know, you know, guys, had they not read Exodus about the golden calf, they made two of them. Um over and over again in, in, in the Torah, God told them, listen, don't learn the ways of the pagans and don't ever do it to me. Uh, we find in the prophets, and, and some people try to point out this is where God said, I don't want to do the feast anymore, but it, it, that's because they're not reading it right. Uh, God always called the feast his. They're not the feast of Israel. They're not Jewish feasts. They're the feast of the Lord. But there's a transition with all the junk that they had added to the feasts. And this is even in, in, in Judah, that God said, I am tired of your feasts, that you have added so much paganism to it that uh, I can't take it anymore. And, hmm. and they were keeping it on the right days. They were putting all the wrong stuff in it. Hmm. 
And so, uh, you know, it, it's like every everything of the enemy you bring in and you're trying to celebrate it along with what is his, and you're literally putting other gods in his face in your own house or in your own house of worship. Which that's one of God's big Ten Commandments, you know, I, I am the Lord thy God, have no other God before me. And that literally means don't put, you know, not only am I the only one that you should be worshiping, don't bring these other things in because I'm walking with you. You're sticking it in my face. Mm. Absolutely. And that, that is folks that that's, if you really look at the 10 commandments, when it says have no other gods before me, that's also, it's not just only in front of, it's not only like putting them above God, but he's saying, don't put them in front of my face. I don't want to see them. Don't put them before me. And so all kinds of things end up becoming this God-like replacement in our lives, um, such as, and I've mentioned this before, and, and Dr. Lake, we were talking about it earlier. We can, folks, I can have a program on the Remnant Call, and I could call it a deeper walk with Jesus, Okay. And I'll, my audience viewership will drop in half. But if I call the program, you know, keys to surviving the last days, it goes up. Now, maybe I talk about that in that program. But the truth is, is that people are looking for this some type of magic pill in hearing another program to substitute the actual relationship time, Dr. Lake that it takes in spending with the Lord, and that in itself can become idolatry. Oh, it can. And the truth is, how do you survive the last days? You better learn how to walk with Jesus. <laughs> but we, uh, I think the, we, the occult have, have systematically tried to infiltrate the church for centuries. You know, we do know even that the, the communists infiltrated our seminaries uh, here in America back in the 1930s. And a lot of the easy believism that we have in the church today actually was drawn out of occult philosophy. Uh, you can take, um, uh, let's say, John Calvin. Why did John Calvin develop uh, his, you know, five points of Calvinism that, that grace was irrevocable? He did it because there was an error in the Catholic Church that, let's say, all of Germany was Protestant except for some of their Catholic residents. Well, what, Germ what uh, the Pope would do is he would wave his magic wand and said, you all have been excommunicated. You're all now going to hell. All your children are going to hell. And the only way that you're going to get back in the church is you have to overthrow this king that's Protestant and create for me a Catholic government, and I'll wave my magic wand again, and poof, you're all back in the church, and you're now going to heaven. And so to confront this, in fact, Dr. Ken Johnson in his book on the Gnostic origins of Calvinism shows how that uh, Calvin actually pulled from the Nag Hammadi. Mm. And because you, you can't have predestination without foreknowledge. Okay, Paul was very succinct in what he said there. And basically it was, God knew in every single scenario, whatever he could do, whether you're going to accept Christ or not. And he, then he puts, his, he puts his seal of approval on your will, on your free will. Uh, but from the Nag Hammadi, they said there were these emanations that came down from Sophia, and they were going to be the chosen ones, the ones that were predestined to walk in whatever. And he pulled that in and created that doctrine that has caused, I think, a lot of problems in the body of Christ. We, we see here in America, uh, primarily Baptists used to be Armenianistic, which is a fancy term for believing that you could lose your salvation, okay? Uh, Arminius was a, a response to Calvinism and said, no, Calvin's not right on these things. Not only is grace not irresistible that you can, because the word says that God wants everybody to be saved, but not everybody's going to be saved. But once you get in, the book of Hebrews is very succinct and that you can't lose it if you deny Christ. And so, uh, Oh, good goes uh, D.L. Moody. Uh, he has a great revival over in Europe and starts hanging around Charles Spurgeon, which was a Calvinist. And I, I love uh, Charles Spurgeon's sermons. Uh, but he, he liked the free will on the front, but he liked the Calvinism on the backside. 
and he imported it into American Baptist, and but he actually blended Armenianism and Calvinism together. And to create this, once you get in, you have to really walk a golden ticket and you can't get out. But the word says that he that that holds out to the end shall be saved. And so so sometimes our theology can be even encountered with the word. And I and easy believism has been uh, a problem. Uh, the, the John Wesley was fighting it in his day. Uh, in fact, I've got one of the books I'm, I'm starting to read through in my library right now that really intrigued me, and it was on evangelism. But how do you witness to the unsaved Christian? Oh. And you go, what? Well, yeah, they got saved because old Yeller died there in the middle of the sermon, and I, I loved, uh, you know, I love good old hunting dogs and and so I gave my heart to Jesus because I've got this old yeller religion uh, because we'd, we'd always tell a sad story at the, you know, toward the altar call to get people emotional to where they come to the altar. But were they really giving their hearts to Jesus and was it being fleshed out in their daily lives? Uh, in fact, one of the uh, Antonician fathers, Tetralian, uh, somebody who supposedly got saved they would have to walk it out two years in the Christian community before they would baptize them. They wanted to see if it was genuine or not. Yeah. Wow. And you know, all this, all this has creeped in. We always look for the easy way out. Uh, we knew you look at the, the formation of the Illuminati, one of the guys that will, you know, everybody knows about Adam Weishaupt and, and the Rothschilds, but people forget about Jacob Frank. And, of course, he was a follower of, of Sabatine Zev, who came up with this concoction of, of salvation through iniquity. And that you had, to, you had to descend through the abyss before you could come up. And that was also expressed by uh, Ali Esther Crowley. And see if this sounds familiar. Do as thou wilt is the whole of the law. Jay-Z. Hey, you know, as long as I, this, you know, once I got saved, I can do anything that I want to do uh, because I'm now saved. When the, the word of God in heaven is saying, you're going to show fruit of your salvation because what you want to do is going to change. Oh. It's going to come in line with the word of God and it's going to come in line with heaven. And as you renew your mind to the word of God, you're not going to be conformed to this world, but you're going to be renewed by, you're going to begin changed by, or transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're going to start wanting to do what heaven wants you to do instead of what the enemy wants you to do because you've been given a new nature. Mm. Yes. And, and we forget that. And so we build all these theologies of easy believism, and it, it creates either pseudo-believers or very weak believers. And uh, I think that's, you know, in, in, this, in this whole thing with... Uh, with the past election, and I still have a lot of questions about it, but one of the things I was warning about, because in America, we are in the middle of a Marxist revolution, okay, that everybody was saying, oh, QAnon says this, and QAnon says that, and I'm telling the guys, this is counterintelligence, that uh, they have got to, they use the Hegelian dialectic, they have to control both sides of the argument, and they inserted that in there to disarm everybody, because it's like, just go to sleep, we're taking care of it, you're all going to be going to Gitmo, there's going to be trials, there's going to be trials, there's going to be this, they're going to jail, there's pedophiles being arrested, this, that, and the other, uh, guys, it, it was a hoax, it was, it was nothing. Yes. And because we, we want to believe somebody else is going to do it. Here's the truth of the gospel, because I am a soldier of the cross. I'm going to roll up my sleeves, and I'm going to do what Almighty God wants me to do. And sometimes he has me go the hard way. Mm. Absolutely. And, and folks, if what, what Dr. Lake's talking about coming out, if you're not familiar with the Nag Hammadi, it's basically where the origins of Gnosticism are written. And uh, it's some scrolls um, that out of Egypt, yes, out of Egypt that were formed by early Christians and Jews about uh, Gnosticism. If you're not familiar, but it's it's basically they don't deal with the issues of sin and repentance. It's all spiritual. Everything's head knowledge. Everything's a feeling. Everything's just dreamed up in your mind. It's um, it's and, and it's there's if let me just say like this: if Job would have lived his life based on a feeling. 
he would have took his wife's advice and cursed God and died. Okay. Yeah. But because he knew the truth of who the Lord was, he held on even when he didn't feel it. And Gnosticism is at the root of, it's like Dr. Lake is saying, of so much error that leads to a path to absolute destruction of easism, of self-deception, um, I would say, is, the, is, the, is a good thing, a good word for it. It's self-deception because you can trick yourself into believing because in your mind, you've dreamt up that that's what feels good. And without the actual word of God grounding you in the truth, when the truth comes along, that now comes against your feeling. So when someone comes up and says, hey, you know, this, you know, th this practice of, of a, a Valentine's Day from Lupercalia, you know, that was that came back from ancient origins of some of the most disgusting sexual practices that you can ever imagine that are absolutely it's probably the grossest of all holidays almost. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and well, that's not, I just, that's not how I feel about it. And I, all I'm trying to say, pass on and say is, Hey, this is not a good thing to be a part of, but if the feeling without research says that I don't feel good, then we put up a wall to resist against it. And the Bible says the whole reason for the strong delusion is the last day is because they love not the truth. Yeah. folks jesus the, the father never said they will know all truth they know they'll know every he said it'll lead us into all but he didn't say you're going to know everything you learn it it's we go but he says the problem is is that when you don't love truth when you'd rather have a lie he says for this reason he also send them strong delusion that they should be leave a lie now he didn't say he sent the lie he said he sends the ability to believe the lie and it's because we don't love truth I think this is what Dr. Lake's been explaining here, folks, is that it's so important that we are grounded in the actual things that God says. Dr. Lake, go ahead. You know, I don't see anywhere in the word that one of these days we're going to get to heaven and God was going to say, well, Mike, you know, I didn't know all these years I was wrong because you felt this way about this. It's not, it's not in there. Uh, heaven doesn't care how we feel. Heaven cares about when we see in the word that God says it's wrong and we take our feelings and we take our desire for that warm fuzzy or whatever it is and we crucify it with Christ saying, I love God more than I love my feelings. I love God more than that, whatever it is that I'm drawing some type of emotional support or comfort from. Uh, I think one of the things the enemy has done, we have been programmed uh, by the media, by the left, by a lot of different things to be uh, to be led by our feelings. And logic is nowhere in the, the equation. And brother, it's gotten so bad that, you know, I've been training ministers now for, my goodness, almost 40 years to, to one degree or another. And uh, I'm hearing back from them. They said, you know, the, the pastors' heads are exploding because they'll have this guy, millennial, look at them and say, you know, I know the word of God says this, but I don't feel God has a right to say that. Hmm. Wow. And I'm yeah. thinking, actually, uh, God doesn't care how you feel because it's probably your sin nature making you have those feelings to begin with. You're right. And, and, and it, it's dangerous because as long as you can be led by your feelings, you can be manipulated as easy as a bull with a ring in its nose. We're led by the Spirit. We're not led by feelings. We're led by faith. We're led by the Holy Spirit. And many times the Holy Spirit could tell you to do the absolute opposite of everything the world is doing and even how you're feeling at that moment. Mm. And it's, do I love him more than I love my own comfort? And guys, the, the spirit of self, uh, in, in fact, I mean... Uh, I have never seen such a gen generation that is enamored with selfies. You know, I was, uh, the other day I was up at Best Buy and there was a girl wanting to trade in her iPhone because it, it only had 256 gigabyte of memory. That's pretty good size phone. And that's what I have because I have a lot of um, uh, audio books I like to listen to in my spare time. 
but this, and the guy says, well, what is it full of? She says, well, pictures of me. You know, all the selfies that I have that she went through 256 gigabyte and she was wanting to go up to a half a terabyte camera. And we, we and it's, it's bum fuzzling to me and, and that we have people trying to get the perfect picture to the place of a selfie that they have fallen off of cliffs trying to get the perfect photo. Just like when the remember when that Pokemon game came out, uh, I guess it's still out now. A few years, like five, four or five years ago, people were walking out in the middle of the street uh, into cars. Yeah, in, in were, front of traffic. Yeah, in front of traffic. Yes, and a uh, uh, little fun story. We had an employee years ago. We had to get rid of. Um, saw him in the paper. While after that, nobody, no one, no one listened to the show. <laughs> Playing that game was sad. No wonder he couldn't get anything done. But anyways, that's another side story. <laughs> um, but the truth is, folks, we we um we are living in a, in a dangerous time, and, and the occult is it's everywhere from everything we read, we watch. Now, now, obviously, not the words of God, and, and there are great things out there, but it's so systematically inserted into the news, into television programming, into uh, worship. Believe it or not, especially churches that have, um, you know, have a, a, a serious uh, uh, system uh, in their church that's running an organization. Um, when tithe is a major push, whatever it takes, theology becomes a part of your pastor's ministry. And when whatever it takes, theology to keep the dollar coming in is there, then that means whatever I need to introduce to make people happy will be now a part of the curriculum. Uh, there was something, Dr. Late, the other day, someone was telling me, or I can't remember, that there was a church, or I saw it maybe driving down the road, or someone told me, that was saying, hey, come here for worship. We have whatever video games, something that you can come and whatever, it may have been the Pokemon thing again or something, whatever it was, here. So come enjoy as a kid, you know, bring your kids here, whatever what. And I'm like, that's what we've come to today is this. Go ahead. We're seeing uh, David Wilkerson's division uh, unfold in unprecedented ways. And he was so ridiculed by the church that uh, he, in fact, he took that book off the market. And I think that Jim Baker's ministry's got permission to put it back into print. But, mm -hmm. you know, instead of, and I mean, this was a guy that had a major ministry that had done phenomenal things, okay? So he wasn't just an upstart. He was a proven veteran minister that God began giving visions to, and the church did not want to hear it because, number one, it was pointing out their sins, but it was pointing out things that were going to come that they, you know, it's like, you know, you can't build a ministry on this. You can't get people to give with this. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Uh, and brother, what I have found in, in, with our ministry is I tell the people the truth. And if, if they want to give to help support it, they will. Uh, I don't have to, I don't have to promise them 10 angels are going to come to their house. You know, I don't have to do all this stuff. There, there, there are people that want truth because it's hard to find these days. Absolutely. And I remember David, I, I don't know if it was in set the trumpet to thy mouth book. Um, which one it was, but this was back in the early 80s or whatever he wrote that he was telling people that one day there would be little satellite dishes on people's homes, no bigger than like a basketball, bringing pornography directly into their homes. Now, that yeah. was even that the only thing that was a satellite dish back then was a West Virginia state flower. Um, I'm from over West Virginia, so it's okay, I can say that. But the big gigantic satellite dishes. You know, that were what, huge, you know, how many, I don't know how many feet, you know, seven foot across or eight foot, whatever they were. That was the only satellite dish known of back in the day. And uh, here he was talking about this coming years and years later with DirecTV. And I think David Wilkerson, out of one, folks, one of his biggest thing was just turn your TVs off. They're full mm -hmm. of so much garbage. Well, and there's background uh, stuff you know, I document this in my first book that uh, the flickering rate and everything of the screen is designed to put you into an alpha state. And an alpha state is when it turns off your rational part of your mind 
and you begin taking everything in emotionally. And so we're, we're and so you have, uh, let's say someone living a lifestyle that we would consider biblically very sinful, but you make them an endearing character. And the next thing you know, uh, it's okay because I'm endeared to this individual because I have been programmed emotionally or on the news at night. It's everything is about fear. You know, if you don't get the shot, you're going to die. If we don't do something about global warming, we're all going to burn up and the seas are going to boil. And I mean, this one thing after another, after another, everything is by fear. When was the last time that we had a politician or anything actually inspire us to be good? Hmm. I don't know. That was, I, that's kind of got me stumped there. Yeah. It, it doesn't sell. And when you and true leaders, I don't care if they're a political leader or a religious leader, when they inspire you to be better, when they when the when a pastor is really doing his job, he he inspires you to go deeper in Christ, to give more of your life to Him, to get deeper into the Word, to get more into prayer. Uh, a, a political leader will will inspire you to. Uh, lift up the downtrodden to help those around you and to, and to, to make a difference in the community. That's what true leadership is. And we don't have that anymore. We have, we have either make them happy or we have make them afraid. So they'll do whatever, but there, there's very little real leadership or inspiration out there anymore. I agree. Um, my mother, uh, worked for ministry, um, and uh, her boss was a kind of like a pastor's pastor and a wonderful man. And I was doing some IT work where he was at one day in a meeting and I was walking through the room and I heard him telling all his pastors that he was training and, and teaching and do things like that because he'd been in this position for a while and he'd not been in direct ministry he said, I finally found out what my problem's been. He said, I haven't led anybody to Jesus in over a year. And I just, it hit me that he was saying exactly the right thing. And, and, and Dr. Lake, I think this is what people's really problem right now, especially so many people, is they've never had the experience of leading somebody to Christ. Yeah. And, and folks, when you can actually experience seeing a transformed life, because what happens is in this hour right now, we get so caught up into me and me and me and my problem and what was me. I mean, if we could actually record our prayers and then play them back, some of you might be shocked. You were like, that's one selfish person. Never talks about anything else but them. Woe is me. And never have had the joy of actually seeing somebody give their life to christ uh, folks i'm trying to say right now if, if if you've never experienced it you need to because this life is about bringing others to jesus it's that simple we get saved we accept the lord he does some changing some working and but we in turn go out and we share the good news with others and here was a man who was trying to tell his own staff that he had been suffering because he had been in this position so long of working with other pastors that he himself had lost sight of the true thing that no matter, even if he's working there, he has a job to lead people to Jesus. It was inspiring. Yeah. And you know, the word doesn't say hound them into the kingdom. And uh, I've seen that done too. I think the greatest thing that we can do is when you walk in the kingdom and the kingdom brushes up near them, it begins to change them and draw them in. Mm, amen. And uh, it really neat story to, to share. I was uh, at this one conference uh, here recently, and uh, this couple comes up, and uh, they had adopted two girls that the mothers had been uh, addicts. And so, so you know, the kids basically had the, the it was an alcohol fetal syndrome, but they, they had to go through withdrawal and everything because their mothers were hooked on whatever drugs. And so you'll have some minor behavioral issues and stuff. You just love the kids through. Well, the youngest one, she would always mellow out whenever she would hear me preach. It, it was just soothing to her for some reason. 
And uh, so her, her dad said, why don't we just put Dr. Lake on and you can listen to his preaching at night as you go to sleep and, and that way it'll calm you down and you won't be so anxious. And he said it worked good for about two weeks and said after two weeks, he said she came from home school and when, when he got home from work, she said, dad, I think I need to get saved. Amen. Because it's, it's, the, it's the preaching of the word and it's the manifesting of the kingdom that causes people to want it. Mm. And I, I think a lot of times we can't lead them because we're not walking in it. We've, we've never, the, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is we, had, I, I remember being raised, you know, Baptist and I surrendered at a Baptist altar at 13, uh, became charismatic uh, around 17. And I tell people I'm, I'm Baptocostal with a good twist of Hebraic heritage blended in there that um, never taught how to walk in the kingdom. I was taught how to be a good Baptist, a good charismatic, a good this, a good that, but never really how to walk in the kingdom of God or even have a kingdom mindset. And when you do that, it begins transforming you. And it can literally transform the atmosphere around you. That's why when you start walking in kingdom, you really get a bad taste in your mouth of anything from the other kingdom comes within your radar. And that's kind of what we're talking about that you and I both have have because we're walking in kingdom, we can sense the uh, the influences of the new age that's hitting the charismatic movement today. We can we can sense the origins of a lot of these doctrines that were drawn because the uh, the occult really had to contaminate it, the Protestant movement because it was really taking the world by storm hmm. because it it emphasized a personal dynamic living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they, they had to stop that at, at any cost. And so if it, now it's, it's this easy believism. And, uh, you know, I've got friends that are to this day are still pre-tribbers. I tend to be, I think we're going to get out of here uh, probably about 10 days before the end of the tribulation period. And I, I have good friends. I said, listen, if uh, I would rather be surprised by rapture than by tribulation. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in, in fact, no, there's not a single prize that anybody gets for getting the day right or having your eschatological position right. It's looking for him and trying to be more like him every single day and holding out to the end, no matter how bad it gets. That's what we're encouraged to do, not getting the date right or, or getting this, you know, you know, I was a pre-tribber and I was proved right, or I was a mid-tribber, a pre-wrath. Pre um, it's how much we're trying to be like him and we're looking for him. Uh, we need Jesus, guys. We need Jesus to return like ASAP uh, mm. because the world is drunk on the, uh, our leaders are drunk on the wine of the whore of Babylon and it's not going to turn out well. And uh, even if, if, it, if we're not at the time for his coming, we need a divine visitation where God pours out both his judgment and his grace upon humanity. We need that in this hour. You're absolutely right. And, and folks worrying about escaping before mid of that, that honestly should be the farthest from your mind, seeking the Lord and asking him right now. Now it is good that we escape the, the, you know, we we're, we're not called to the wrath of God, but no. we are called to reach people. And if you start getting focused on when you're going to fly away, or when you're going to do this, or when you, and you lose sight of the actual mission, the mission is in Matthew 28, 19. That's the mission. Okay. If you lose sight of the mission, then you get completely off track. It's, it's like land navigation. I was in the Marines, Dr. Lake. We quickly realized you don't have to be, but just a few feet off to end up way off course. Oh yeah. A few inches. As a matter of fact, you can end up way over um, at the wrong area. Yeah, you shoot your azimuth, and if you're just a fraction off, if you go very far, you could be half a mile or more off. Oh, absolutely. In a very short period of time, that's right. And, and it's the same way, and, and that's what's happening. The Bible is very specific, folks. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, all things will be added unto you. Stop trying to add everything else first and begin to seek uh, the Lord. I, I, I often share, Dr. Lee, with people, if, if, if all you're going to do is try to fight your sin, then you'll probably end up dying in your sin and you'll never get free. 
But if you'll seek the Lord with all your heart, then he will give you victory over and take away your desire. I used to have had a friend who says, I don't drink, not drink because the church says I shouldn't drink. He says, I drink all that I want. I just don't want to drink those things anymore. He, see, he was trying to explain to me what it means to have your heart changed. Oh, yeah. Now, there's an old story about D.L. Moody that this woman did. She, was, she loved dancing. And uh, she said, I'm not going to get saved because I don't want to have to give up dancing. And uh, D.L. Moody said, you really give your heart to Jesus wholeheartedly, 100% without holding anything back. I promise you, you're going to be able to dance all you want. So she went to the altar and gave her heart to Jesus. She got up and went straight for that preacher and said, you dirty dog. Said, you knew, you knew that once I got saved, I wouldn't want to dance no more. <laughs> Amen. Know, and and, it, it, and that's, that's the grace of God. When God's working on us, our, our desires change. You know, one of the scriptures I love in Colossians says that he will cause us to will and to do his good pleasure. And uh, I remind him of that with Mike Lake all the time. I said, Lord, you know, you know me more than anybody else. And you know, I need your grace and you working on me to cause me to will and to do your good pleasure. And I'm counting on it because sometimes Mike Lake gets in the way. And that's when Mike Lake needs to get crucified because until you have a crucifixion, you can't walk in the new man. Mm. That's right. That's right. No, I, I, Dr. Lake, I, you're right. Folks, the whole, re, even talking about occultism, becoming aware, because there is such freedom of, of getting out of it, of getting free from it. You don't have to be angry when someone shares something with you. Just try it, look it up, see if it's right. If it's according to the word of God, then follow it. Yeah. Getting away from these pagan holidays and pagan practices and I could even folks, I mean, even the steeples on the churches, it just gets, you know, if you want to get really into paganism, you might be shocked at how deeply embedded it is in the church. If you think steeples aren't pagan, I challenge you to go look at them, go look at the Egyptian obelisks and everything. The same thing. Look at the Washington Monument. You know how many people have basically the same thing with just a little sharper point that all comes out of ancient Egypt, those things, those obelisks. And, and it's everywhere, and it, it's by the devil. It's by his design. It's simply saying, I don't want a part of it anymore. I want to get free from it. It's not, it, it's not going to take away from your experience with the Lord. Yes, I had some tough times when I first stopped celebrating some of these things, but when I finally gave God, the, you know, just let him take over instead of me trying to force my way, Dr. Lake, it was like miraculous stuff. And you know what? Now I have family. They do celebrate, but they know I don't. And we don't have any problems. Yeah, there were some bad years. But after over time, they've come to accept me for who I am. And, and I, I don't beat them up over it. No. In fact, a lot of times it's like, you know, we're not the ones that are doing the beating here. Uh, because there's, there's something they don't want to give up. And uh, sometimes when uh, I found this out in the military, when you're living and you're walking with God and you convict those around you, uh, they will beat you up a little bit over it. You know, they'll, uh, they'll chew you out, find reasons to get upset with you. And it's because they're under conviction. Mm. And uh, guys, we, we got to push forward. We, we need to have a deeper faith. We need to have sterner stuff. Uh, guys, with, with what's coming ahead, and I'm not just talking about, you know, whether America is going to become a Marxist nation or not, or whether China is going to evade. There are, there are things that I see in prophecy about the return of the Nephilim. And the Bible says that men's hearts will fail them for fear. We understand the dynamics of Genesis 6. We, we know that somebody in covenant with God, a boy with a slingshot, can take down a Nephilim. We, we know these things, and, and God's wanting to uh, help us by causing us to mature in our love and mature in our faith uh, in his throne, that uh, we don't fear these things, but we can actually head them head on. You know, there's, a, there's an old axiom that says that uh, hard times make uh, strong men, 
strong men build good times and good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. There's this crazy cycle. In other words, you've been, we've been living in Laodicea and it's, it's taking our spiritual testosterone out of us. And I think right now there's a shaking going on and there's a stirring going on because heaven is saying, if you press into me, I'll give you a backbone. You press into me and you're going to find out that you had a strength there that you couldn't even dream possible would ever exist there. And I'm going to change your attitudes and I'm going to change your desires to come into line with heaven. And you're going to find out how David was able to have the attitude that he had or how, how uh, different Bible heroes were able to have uh, that, that same attitude and that same daring because the, I believe that the hall of faith is, is not finished yet, that there's going to be many names of those living today that God's going to anoint, that are going to make a stand, that they're going to see the supernatural like we have never dreamed before. Uh, we're getting ready to see a time in which the book of Judges and the book of Acts are going to be merged together, that God is going to raise up judges, and that we're going to see supernatural miracles to prove the divinity of Messiah, to prove who he is, and to prove the truth of the gospel while all hell is raging at it. And uh, I long for that. One of the reasons I do everything that I do is, brother, so that this next generation can stand on my shoulders and Steve Quayle's shoulders and Tom Horn's shoulders and your shoulders and take this thing up to a whole nother level. Absolutely, folks. We are getting that, you know, so close. Um, and, and it, yeah, I mentioned this before, and I'll mention this again. One of the greatest pastors I ever knew. He told me one time, he said, I was so glad I never made a plan for my life so that the Lord could lead me. It, it hit me deep. And folks, that's what I would like to say to you today. Let the Lord lead you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to take care of itself. Get into the word of God in this hour and get into prayer seeking his face, prayer and fasting, and allow the Lord to lead you in this hour. Um, they, God, we, we read, we did a few weeks ago, Brother Benjamin was sharing with us in Psalm 1, uh, 110, it hit me so hard. Um, it said, thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power in the beauty of holiness, that God's people, when it's finally time, for those that are the Lord's, they will be willing. We will be ready to do what the Lord wants us to do. And folks, that now, as Dr. Lake is talking about, we need to start walking in the kingdom now so that in that day, when he gives the command or whatever it may be, we will be willing. You won't have to worry about it. Lord, do I have enough food laid up? Lord, do I have this ready? Don't work. Listen, I'm, I'm all for preparation, but we need to start seeking the Lord. And let him guide us in what we are to do and stop trying to pilot our own lives. Dr. Lake, thank you so much for what you've shared tonight. Please remind everybody again how they can keep up with you. Yeah, it's kingdomintelligencebriefing.com. And if that's too long to type in, you can also type in drmichaellake.com and it'll take you to the same site. Amen. I appreciate that, folks. Please. Keep up with what's going on with Dr. Lake. Keep in the word. Begin to walk in the in kingdom power. And, and you will start to understand and sense what the Lord wants you to do. And I'm telling you, it will be liberating. Because I've tried to pilot my own life. I'm sure Dr. Lake has tried it himself at times. I can tell you what, it never ends up good. It never ends up good. So thank you so much for being on here. Dr. Lake, God bless you. God bless you all that have been listening to the Remnant Call. And this is Brother Frank and Dr. Michael Lake on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom.
time, for the day of the Lord is come.